We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have our post-game episode of the Lions versus the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to talk about the positives and the negatives from this game. And we're also going to talk about some injuries that occurred during this game. All in episode 192 of the Pride Podcast. With the seventh pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Panay Sewell. Tackle, Oregon. Yo, what is going on guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast episode 192 on the Blue Wire Network. I am your host Tyler and I am here with my special co-host as always. Malcolm Hart, how you doing, my man? Woo! How you doing, man? Doing well, man. <laughs> first NFL Sunday in the books. First mm-hmm. week of the NFL season in the books. Well, not technically at the time of this recording. Monday Night Football is happening. But by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be officially the wrap of week one of the NFL season. No peer with us today. But we're going to do our first official post game of the regular season in the Lions Come up short versus San Francisco 49ers week one at Ford Field, losing this game in a fireworks affair of 41 to 33 high scoring game in Detroit between the Lions and Niners. All right. uh, So let's get right into it. Um, There's a lot. There's a lot to cover here. You know, the Lions came up short. I don't think that's really the surprise here. Um, You know, let's start off with the offense, though, because I thought there were some positives on the offense. I thought there's some negatives, but I want to start off with the positives. I'm going to kick it off to you, Malcolm. Let's start out with this offensive line, man. So, obviously, no Taylor Dyker was a guy. You know, when we did our pregame show with the guys from the Niners pod, striking Gold, you know, we said we don't have really many injuries, you know, to keep tabs up on the week. You know, we we got our guys healthy, and we don't have anything to worry about. We're going to the season 100% healthy. Well, I jinxed it because the day right after, Taylor Decker <laughs> breaks his finger in practice, and he's now out for a month at least, and he's placed on IR. Happened. 
you know, I was so confident. Like, oh, we're going to the season. Uh, no injuries. Our offensive line is healthy. We're getting Brockers back. We're, we're healthy. We're good. You know, we got nothing to worry about. And, and you know, the guys from striking goal, like, yeah, like, yeah, we got Kinlaw. We got a, we got a couple corners out. Now we got, no, we're good. We're good. We, we're 100%. <laughs> Man, that's like, how, how did that happen, man? Like, out of all the injuries, like, I wouldn't have expect like, the no. finger. His no. finger? He broke it, A yeah. finger injury? That's tough. Yeah. I mean, I guess offensive linemen, they need their fingers. And they have that, to have their fingers. Yeah. And then, obviously, we couldn't talk about that because we were expecting our, you know, offensive line that we were scheduling all offseason. Decker at left tackle, Jonah Jackson at left guard, Ragnow at center. Big V at right guard, and then our rookie, the seventh overall pick, Penaiso, was going to play right tackle. But that whole plan got shifted because Taylor Decker is now, you know, getting surgery and he's out for at least a month. And the question was, who do you put at left tackle? Do you put Big V? Do you switch his position from guard to left tackle? Do you put Matt Nelson there? Do you put the rookie, Penaiso, who's originally, initially a left tackle in college? Do you put him there? The Lions end up going Penaiso at left tackle and putting uh, Matt Nelson at right tackle and leaving everything else put. So I want to start off with the rookie, Penai Sewell. Obviously, it was a big task. They, they told him to go against Nick Bosa, his first NFL game, and three days before the NFL season, and they say, hey, yeah, I know you've been training all year at right tackle, but you're playing left tackle today. Um, so what, what were your thoughts on Penai Sewell versus Bosa, and just in general, this first week of um, you know his, his NFL career? I mean, he did a phenomenal job and this is why i was so excited about this pick because he showed why he is seventh overall pick gave no sacks and just you know we don't go by pff a lot but um just showing his grades i mean he 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 looked phenomenal i mean overall 75 overall grade run blocking grade is 78 he looked phenomenal and the big question is and i actually posted this on the pods page is what they're doing. Taylor, if if he's continuing to play the way he's playing right now, what the hell do we do when Taylor Decker comes back? Yeah, no, that's going to be an interesting question now because obviously Panay Sewell, only 20 years old, you know, he was initially a left tackle and it's something he looks comfortable in. I mean, we saw the reps at right tackle in the preseason and we didn't think maybe it would be a big adjustment. Um, when we drafted him, we thought maybe it would be an easy transition for Penai Sewell to switch from left to right tackle. But, I mean, we got to be honest. He had struggles throughout camp. Like, the, yes, he, you know, he stood out sometimes. But for the most part, I would say it was more struggles than positives from Penai Sewell at right tackle. And, you know, now you factor Penai Sewell putting Thorne in a situation where he was throwing the woods. Like, if Penai Sewell struggled – we would have this whole script planned out. Like, you know, this guy's a rookie. He was not expected to play left tackle. We would have the whole thing plot out right now. <laughs> but he goes out and balls out versus Nick Bosa in the San Francisco 49ers front seven. Like, he did a phenomenal job. And, like, obviously he wasn't 100% perfect the whole, the whole game. Like, you're going to give, like, a player up to Bosa. Like, that's just expected. But for the most part, he held up. He gave his quarterback time and gave his quarterback multiple reads, you know, throughout the game. And, that was something good. And then, you know, not even just with Jared Goff, something else was really positive, and he was a big part of it. The run game. We've been talking about this run game all offseason. We've been talking about this run game since 2018 when we started this podcast. Are they ever going to get a run game going? And I'm not saying the run game is established by any means, but I think from our whole time of podcasting, 
that was probably one of the best showcases of a run game or like a true run game going. And the stat sheet won't show it. Like Swift, you know, didn't have the most rushing yards. Jamal Williams didn't have the most rushing yards. But it was the holes that were being created by those guys, by the offensive linemen, and our running backs finding those holes and making nice moves and, you know, getting good yardage. Like, you know, starting off the game, 10-yard runs, 12-yard runs, like every run felt good. And that's just something we have never had since me being a Lions fan. So um, you got to give credit to Panay Sewell playing left tackle. You got to give credit to the, the interior guys like Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, even Big V. Matt Nelson I thought was solid. Not the greatest in pass pro, but overall solid. I thought the offensive line held up really well versus a very good front seven in San Francisco, which I thought could be a problem because I knew both trenches were going to go at each other. But the lines held up really well. And I thought they got their offense going a little bit and, you know, they they establish a true running game, and I know that's something that Lynn and and Campbell really want to get going. So that was just it. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Oh man. You know, I I I really enjoyed it. And the only the reason why it didn't show up in the stats is because they did have to abandon it early because they, they did. did. They had you know they, they they got down big early, so they they did have to abandon it. I mean, if you watch that scheme, their the running scheme is. Probably the best I've seen in Detroit in a really long time. I usually, you know, usually with Detroit, and the reason why we struggle so much in finding his running games because we always had man blocking scheme, and it's like now we're seeing like this zone blocking scheme, and this zone blocking scheme is actually working. He's creating these really big holes. You see the guards pulling, the tight ends pulling, and they're just creating these really big holes. And I think, you know, I feel like our running game a lot of team problems in the future, and, and you know, going forward, you know, with Williams and Swift. As they get, so that's something to definitely look forward to in the future. Um, is our running game? I think our running game is something that I can honestly say that we may have a running game, and this running game may be in in top half of the league. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the the running backs made some noise, and I'm not trying to overreact over you know one week, but it was a positive sign because this is a good San Francisco 49ers front, and our offensive line wasn't 100% full strength. You know, you're missing your, one of your biggest pieces on the left side with Taylor Decker. And you, you were thrown in a situation where you had to throw your rookie at left tackle. And Matt Nelson, God bless Matt Nelson. I mean, he's, he's a fine player, but like, you know, not a very ideal situation when he's starting. It's more of a, a guy that if it has to happen during a game, maybe you put him at the swing tackle, but like at either tackle position. But it's not something you necessarily want to. You know, go into a game with or, you know, game plan with or and that's something the Lions are going to have to kind of do with, honestly, for the next couple of weeks as, as you know, far as Decker's recovering. So but I thought you brought up a good question. You said you posted on the pod page. It's going to be interesting, you know, what they end up doing with Panay Sewell and just how these rest of these couple of weeks go when Decker's on IR. How is Sewell going to do on that left side? And if he continues to impress, it's going to be an interesting decision. But I like to say it's a good decision because we have two options at left tackle and you know how many teams could say they have a left tackle or you know they have options at left tackle not many so to say we have two very reliable options who were comfortable with that left tackle i think it's a very good sign it's a really good sign so i think it's a good situation to be in for the lions i know it's like it could be some controversy it could be conflicting but like i don't think you could go wrong either way but if Panay Sewell is impressing I think you got to stick with the hot hand and just let him develop there at that point. But we'll see. We'll see when we get there. We'll see how these weeks go. But overall, you know, test one for Penisul week one, check mark. He passed. Check, 
he passed this week, so he looked really good. Detroit Lions football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Detroit Lions tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charges, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all the NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash PridePodcast today and use promo code PridePodcast to save $10 on your first order of your Detroit Lions tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Let's continue to talk about this offense. We talked about the positives now with the offensive line. We talked about the run game going. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Jared Goff. Um, this is obviously his first game as a Lion starting on uh, the regular season. What did you think of Jared Goff? Obviously, the stat sheet looks really good, but fell down really big. You could mix that with the defense and with the offense. We'll get into the defense a little bit after. But Jared Goff's first game overall, what did you think of it? All right, so um, it, it's, it's a lot of ups and downs, okay? I personally feel like uh, watching Jared Goff, I think that he played as well as he could. And the reason why I say that, and people are like, well, what the hell are you talking about? He does a check down king. Um, you're looking at our offense. And even before, you know, the season started, you know, everybody said, we don't have any weapons. They said that we have our wide receiver talent is probably in the bottom half of the league. Everybody said, that's what everybody said. So, now we go to week one, and then you're looking at everybody saying, well, why is he not throwing the ball down the field? I mean, guys, you, you, you're the one who said we don't have any wide receiver talent. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, 
it looks like that this is going to be the offense you're going to see, guys. And, and the reason why I say that is because we're going to be mainly, mainly a running team. And I think Jared Goff is going to take what the offense, what the defense gives him. Meaning, if you know they're covering the wide receivers, I think he's going to check it down. So you're going to see, you're going to see checkdowns. It's going to happen. Um, you're going to see, you know, he's going to take his shots. He, I can see him taking a few shots down the field. But if you're looking for this vertical offense, like the St. Louis Rams or the or the Chiefs, the Chiefs, the Chiefs it is not. This is not the offense. This is not the offense you're going to see, guys. We don't have a true number one receiver to even establish an offense like that. So, I mean, you're looking at our best option offensively is TJ Hawkinson and and and, and Swift. And then you're looking at Jamal um, Jamal Williams. So he's going to get those. He's going to find these guys. That's why you're going to see a lot of checkdowns. But looking at Jared Goff's performance, I mean, the first half it was pretty rough. <laughs> he only threw 93 yards. In the first half, but in the second half, he came alive. He threw 246 yards in the second half, and he ended up with a solid game. I mean, I, I don't look at it as like a a good game or a great game. I don't look at it like a bad game. I think that he just played like Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the standard of Lions fans. Not that the expectation of the season. I know this is different, but like it's the standard of watching number nine. That's and what I, it is. And I hate you to let bring, that go. You let and, it I, go. And, and I hate to bring up Stafford. I hate to do it because it's the past and he's not a line anymore. But it, it's true. I, I think people just are used to watching Matthew Stafford. And I said it multiple times. I And when I was next to Pierre during that game, I'm like, man, I miss Stafford, dude. I mean, like, I miss him slinging that ball around a little bit, which, you know, from the excitement standpoint. But overall, I mean, what do people expect from Jared Goff? I, and especially with our, with our receiving core. What the, what does wide receiver core what what did you what did people honestly expect him to do this game? I mean, I didn't think he was very good because I saw some very low passes, some very high passes. wasn't as accurate as we've seen him in the past. Yeah. Um, like I don't know. It just it wasn't anything that was outstanding. I, I have the same thoughts about Jared Goff. Like nothing has changed for me. Like I never thought he was the franchise quarterback of this whole long term thing. I think he's the bridge guy for now. I mean, and obviously things could change. There's still 16 more games to go. I'm not trying to overreact over week one. But, I mean, my thoughts have not changed about Jared Goff. I don't think he now suddenly sucks. I don't think he now suddenly is great. I think he is what I thought he was. <laughs> what he showed me from that week one performance. And that's not a shot to him. It's just, I, I don't think he's, you know, he's the greatest talent. I, I think he is what he is. Um, He did what he, he I mean, you you said it like he he did what like was given by the 49ers defense like this is a good defense it's a very good defense and you know i i thought there was some times there was some opportunities where he could have taken some shots down the field i thought his receivers were open at times uh, i saw terrell williams a couple times down just you know he made multiple reads just didn't want to take a chance i don't know why i thought there were some opportunities where he could have taken some chances and that's where i would give him the shot and say you know you got to take some shots at some point because checking down, dinking, doinking, it could work. It could work versus certain defenses. I'm not saying it's, you know, something that doesn't work in the NFL. But at the same time, when you're playing a team like San Francisco, you got to take shots down the field at some point. I'm not saying all game because it's obviously not Stafford. You're not taking the same shots as you are going to with a, a quarterback like Matthew Stafford with elite arm talent. But I would have liked to see him take more shots. 
and kind of see some more urgency from this offense as well because I, it felt like when they were down big, when they were down like three touchdowns, it just didn't really feel like there was much urgency. And, and, it, and that also goes into play with that they couldn't run the ball anymore because they were down so big, and that obviously yeah. takes so much of the offense away when you can't get the run game going because, I mean, Goff isn't one of those quarterbacks where he could just rely – on passing 50 times a game. He's not going to win that way. I mean, there's a, only a certain handful of quarterbacks who could win that way when they're passing 50 times away, 50 times a game. You got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Stafford. There's a couple of them, but I just don't think Jared Goff is in that category where you could rely on him to pass the ball that many times. And when you're down so big, I mean, and you're forced to a situation where you can only pass, it's going to put the lines in really tough situations. And you know, they still found a way to somehow come back to this game and make it competitive and give them a shot to tie this game. You know, they had the ball with the last drive and they had opportunity to tie the game and go to overtime. I mean, yeah. they, they, they gave them the opportunity and, you know, they came up short. But the fight that this team showed, it, it was great. It was great towards the end of the game. Obviously, you want to see some more urgency throughout the game. But, you know, they fought through and they played a different style of football that they are not going to play this year i mean they had to pass the ball at the end of the game and they were doing it successfully towards the end of the game obviously the niners were playing a lot more conservative on defense playing a little more high giving the lions more passing you know room so they could you know complete these passes just not trying to get beat deep so that's why uh, you know opened more of the offense up in the passing game but i mean overall i thought jared goff just did what you know i expected and you know it it just is what it is it's nothing great it's nothing bad I mean, I think a lot of people got to also take into consideration, and I don't want to use this as an, an excuse or or anything. Um, the, you know, Jer- this is Jared Goff in a brand new offense. He's playing with brand new receivers that he never played before. So I think as the weeks goes on, I think he's gonna develop a uh, a chemistry with at least one of these guys, where he can trust and to say, "All right, you're gonna be my number one target," and I think that's when we're gonna see a better. Jared Goff. I think we could see a better Jared Goff. I, I think week one wasn't the best of Jared Goff. You know, he missed some throws. Some throws that he missed some throws that could have been touchdowns. Like there was the one the um, St. Brown. The St. Brown. That yep. St. Brown pass. And that's that's just bowls on the chemistry. Yep. Um, so that stuff like that, I, I think he could clean that up um and, and have a better performance, you know. But I honestly think that, you know, he played the best he could. I think there was a certain area of the team that didn't give him much help. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. I mean, but overall, oh, overall, though, uh, I thought <laughs> I had the Monday night game. <laughs> Just the volume to come on. But overall, I thought, you know, the offensive line did a really good job. It was a good front four, and they gave Goff time, and they gave him time to make reads. And it came down to sometimes the receivers not creating separation, and it also came down to sometimes Goff not wanting to take the shots and going a little more safe and dumping it down to Hawkinson or dumping it down to Jamal Williams or dumping it down to Swift, you know? So, yeah, it goes hand in hand. Um, But overall, big kudos to the offensive line. I think it's my biggest takeaway from this whole entire game as a positive um, going forward because I think – that was the biggest strength that we highlighted all offseason for this team and going for this team going forward, not just this year, going forward because they have so many young pieces and guys locked up. And we saw a very good example versus a very good front four. So I, I think that's very encouraging. I think Lions fans should be really excited about that offensive line. And and we've said it all year. Wins and losses this year 
are just not as important as years previous. It's all about development this year, man. And you right. saw that. I still want us to win some games. No, you want to win. You want to win every game. You want to win every game. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but are, you, are, are you guys down right now about this loss compared to if this was last year? No, because last year. We had, last year, we had expectations. It, last year, it wouldn't have been like this. I don't see the Lions putting up a fight like this. Well, it would be interesting if they fell down that big. I mean, if you have Stafford, I don't think you fall down that big. Yeah, that was a pretty big hole that they're in. And for them to fight back like that, that was it was, that was good to see, man. It was, it was good to see. It gave me, though, the body kneecap vibes, you know? Yeah. It kind of gave you vibes of not the previous regime, but the, the regime before that, where they were like the comeback lines. You remember in 2016? Yes. Yes. Remember that eight of their nine wins were comeback victories, yeah. where in the Patricia era, was it was – it was they got off to hot starts. They got off to good, really good starts. You know, yeah, got, got off to games. Beat, but just crumbled when it came to the fourth quarter. That's you know what with this regime, that's what I want to see. You want to see if they could just sustain a lead if they if exactly, they could, exactly, exactly. I want to see how how they react when they get the lead. Are they going to crumble in the fourth quarter like the pass lines, or I just want to see. I want to see how they react. So are we? Are we even going to get to see that? I was, gonna, I was just, I was just going to ask that question. I said, I don't know how many opportunities we're going to have to like lead against uh, the fourth quarter. I mean, the positive is that our divisions aren't looking too great. I um, think, I think the bigger positive with the whole division outlook that you know there isn't a rebuilding team outside of the lines in this division, and they all look terrible. I think the best looking team hurts things. Yeah, <laughs> the best looking team I think was what the 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 Vikings maybe. The Bears, the like, the Packers are downright pitiful. The Bears' offense yeah. looked a little better than I expected versus the Rams' defense, but Stafford, I mean, Stafford was cooking out there, man. Yeah, he cooked them. Yeah, there was nothing they could do. Yeah, the Vikings. Uh... No, they went to OT with Cincy. Yeah, but how good is Cincy? No, no I don't, I don't know. Very good this year. Exactly. So I mean, I don't know. I think overall, I mean, I'm not trying to overreact over just week one. I still think it's the Packers division right now. I still think, think it's Packers. I, I you, you're you're in a relax age. You're in a relax. I think they'll turn it around, man. I, th- <laughs> I think they're going to turn it around eventually. Screw the Packers. I mean, fuck the Packers eh, for all that. But I mean, <laughs> if I have any, I guess, expectation, I think it's going to be the Packers division still. I mean, someone's got to win with this North, right? I mean, it's only yeah. week one. I mean, you know, we're going to see some crazy shit week one, but that was. That was bad, dude. The New Orleans Saints beat him in every single phase of the game. Yeah, it was bad. Your boy Jameis, man, five tough passing touchdowns, That's dude. That's not my boy. That's not my boy, <laughs> but he he did look good, I have to admit. The laser eye surgery, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm like, shoot. If he has a good season, I'm going to start doing his training, his training exercises. All of them. <laughs> All of this them. Is, this is his post-game interview or something like that. He goes, the trainer said we got to go, and we went. <laughs> Oh, shit. Let's get back into it. Oh, man. All right, let's talk about the lines. <laughs> All right, so we talked about the offense. Offensive line impressed us both. Jared Goff, I mean, I, I think you liked his outing a little better than I did. I I, I did. And, uh, again, I, this is a f- brand-new offense, brand-new receivers. He doesn't have a number one receiver. He got to realize he's playing with what he has out there. And – he doesn't have the talent on the receiving core right now. I mean, I think as the weeks go on, he's going to have a better chemistry, but 
that's what we have, man. You just got to take it as it is. I think looking forward to as well, I think it's so much more important to have these trenches down, locked down early in the rebuild compared to those skill positions. So like, I'm excited that we got our trenches, you know, more established right now than our receivers because we've seen in the NFL, man, you could bring a receiver from free agency. You could bring a, a, free, uh, a receiver from the draft and you, you could find, you could, yeah, you could trade for a guy and you could find number ones in even free agency. I mean, just look at the lines. Marvin Jones comes in. Locks in right away, week one. Golden Tate comes in. Wasn't number one because of Kelvin Johnson, but, you know, a guy that had 100 reception with Matthew Stafford. So that's a position that's not as difficult to fill in compared to a left tackle, compared to a center. And the Lions, so early in this rebuild, the first game of this rebuild, we're already talking about the trenches, at least on the offensive side, being a big plus going forward. So I I like that so much more than, you know, not having a stud receiver because we're going to get that. We're going to get that down the line. Yeah. I'm not worried about that right now. Absolutely. So I, I, I'm excited, man. I, I saw what I need to see off that offensive line. And I want to see more of it, obviously, throughout the season. But, you know, you know, when tears came down in my eyes when we drafted Pinay Sewell, it, it almost threw another tear yesterday when I was watching him at left tackle yeah. versus Bosa. Versus Bosa, he looked phenomenal, man. And we'll see. He's got another big test this week. You know, he's got the Smiths this week. So, I mean, they've they've always given us trouble. They've always given us trouble you know, since they've came to Green Bay. So, we'll see what Sewell could do. You know, this you know this Monday on national TV in Lambeau. So, I'm excited, man. This guy, mm-hmm. this guy, this guy's showing me that he's just going to be a stud. He's showing me he's going to be a stud. He is. He is. All right. Let's not talk about all the positive now because we got to talk about the defensive side of the ball, man. Oh shit. Oh <laughs> shit. So, obviously, Aaron Glenn, his first game being a play caller in the regular season. What's your takeaways from uh, this defense so far? Oh, man. Um, uh, we'll talk about Jeff afterwards. Let's just talk about the uh, the whole defense first. The whole defense in general? They struggled in the beginning. Um, they – I don't think it was more – I don't think it was coaching. I think he – I think AG coached them up. But you could tell that these guys weren't playing, playing their gaps. And they were giving up a lot of big runs. Um, you know, we gave up the big run to um, was it Mitchell? What was running back? Elijah Mitchell, day three pick. Day three pick. That was his day Yeah, man, we gave up some big runs. Um, and it's all just gap assignments, man. Just somebody not in their gap, and he just breaks out. And that, that was just tough. And between that, you know, and our secondary, which even before the season started, I had. Our secondary has the biggest weakness on this team. Um, yeah, this the secondary just they didn't look good. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought something that we could have more of a advantage in this game at least was a pass rush, and I, I felt like there were moments where we we displayed some pass rush, but overall, I mean, it, it was still a lot of time for Jimmy G in that pocket and. This offensive line for San Francisco, I'm not going to say it's a bad offensive line. I'm not going to say it's a great offensive line. It's a very, you know, average offensive line. And I thought, you know, this would be one of the line's strengths maybe going to the year. I thought Romeo could have a big game potentially or Trey maybe gets to the quarterback a little bit. But, you know, it was it was very limited. You didn't see really moments of the lines really getting to the quarterback. I thought Jimmy had a lot of time uh, to go through his reads. And, you know, overall, I mean, this offense is very quick. Like, they do a lot of quick passes, and the receivers get open really quickly. So it didn't really give time for the pass rush to really get home to the quarterback just because of how Kyle Shanahan's offense works. He likes to, you know, display quick plays. He has these motions going everywhere. So 
I mean, he schemes this guy perfectly. I mean, we've just we've talked about Kyle Shanahan, man. He yeah. is a genius, dude. He's a genius. And there was multiple times throughout the game. I'm like, damn, that's Kyle Shanahan scheming guys, man. He knows where exactly where to put his guys and where's guys, you know, and his guys are just so disciplined to follow them, you know, follow his plays. And, you know, I, I think it was a mix of the Lions defense. And I think it was a mix of Kyle Shanahan. It's like you got to give credit to Shanahan, but at the same time, the Lions defense, you know, just wasn't really good overall. And you mentioned the secondary, man. Starting off with the corners, Jeff Akuda, who will miss the rest of the season. And we're going to talk about the significance of that in a little bit. But, you know, starting with Jeff Akuda, who is supposed to take a next step this year and, you know, be that guy going forward. We want to, you know, be confident that he could be that cornerback one for this team, drafting him third overall in 2019 or in 2020, sorry. You know, we, we had high hopes for a guy like this. And, we knew it was a tough matchup, you know, with Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, who didn't get a catch this game, which, I, okay. Um, Mind-boggling. <laughs> I don't know how how he's not get a catch. He didn't get not a catch. One, no, was he targeted this game? I didn't see it. I mean, I maybe. See him get tar- I didn't see him get targeted either. Maybe, but it, that that was odd. But, like, Debo Samuel just was having a day versus any corner he was going against. If it was Amani, if it was Akuda, and then – well, Harris, man, the same mistakes, dude. Just taking bad pursue angles and not getting good angles on tackles. Bad tackling from him again this week. I mean, I'm just curious. You know, you mentioned the secondary was your biggest concern going to the season. I'm assuming this wasn't a very, you know, they didn't change your mind after this game. No, definitely not, man. It was, it was bad. And, you know, I thought some of our guys would play better. Um, you know, I, I'm actually really big on Amani. I think Amani did a lot to his game. Um, that we haven't seen yet. Um, but, you know, when he's playing against those guys, those really good route runners, the guys who can run routes really good, you could tell he struggles. Um, when he gave that touchdown in the first quarter. Do you remember the, the wide receiver name for San Francisco? That um, uh, Kent Sherfield. Sherfield, that's Trent what it Sherfield. Is. Yeah, man. He gave up that touchdown. Yeah, man. Um, he gave it up. He gave up that touchdown by, you know, by Trey Lance. But it was just a hell of a route, and he just had him lost in that play. But, I mean, other than that touchdown he gave up, he did have a couple PBUs. Um, so that that's a positive, but it just it just seems like it was just automatic for the 49ers. You know what I mean? Like, they actually didn't punt the ball. You realize they didn't punt the ball until the third quarter. That's yeah. when they had their first punt of the game. Yeah. And that's, as a defense, that's unacceptable. unacceptable. You can't, if you're playing against a team and they're getting their first punt, in the third quarter, you're not doing something right on defense. I mean, they were scoring every single drive. I think every the only drive, drive they didn't score until was the first one. Was that miss? Was that miss field goal right by Robbie it, Gold? It was a miss field goal, and then also the the fumble at the first snap of the game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, the fumble in the first play. The and very then, first snap. Yeah. Okay. Take out that drive because the Lions didn't do anything that play besides pick up the football. You know that was just yeah. a bad and Jimmy G dropping the ball. So exactly. Uh, you know, take out that. The Lions gave some type of points on defense every single drive. To the third quarter. From the first quarter to the third quarter. Yeah. That's not good. That's not good at all. I mean, uh, how, when, when you're in a situation like that, I mean, it's it puts the offense in a really bad spot. And that's the reason why we couldn't get our running game going. We're, we got so behind early that we had to abandon it. So it's just stuff like that that they have to clean up. And then a lot of things that I noticed is like the middle of the field was like a, it was like automatic. 
Like whenever they they there was a guy just sitting in the middle of the field, or a guy doing a post, or a guy just doing a you know ten and in, he he was wide open. Yeah, and it's like I don't I'm not sure. like I want to go back to see exactly what they were playing cover two, cover three, or what were they playing to make them be so wide open. But I just I, that middle field is open. They got to clean that up. If not, we're gonna have a this is gonna be a rough day for every team we play. Yeah. I, and I and I think on defense too, something I just didn't really like was that I thought it was very predictable. I, I thought we didn't really have much adjustments throughout the game, even though we were getting beat. And you know, I, I thought they were just very st- sticking to what they were doing the whole game. And that was a big problem I had with Patricia was not not adjusting throughout the game and just kind of sticking with their guts. And same thing with Glenn this game. I'm not gonna say this is gonna be that. That's how the trend's gonna go all season. That because that's just not fair. It's his first game ever calling. So I'm not gonna say that it's gonna be the trend going forward. But something you want to see more from this defensive staff is adjustments because they were in that same look all game. You know, you had the five man front and you had two corners on the outside. You had the two linebackers and the two safeties at back. And if they weren't in that five man front, you went with the four man front and you went with AJ Parker in the nickel. But there was I felt like there was no blitzes. Uh, it was just just zone defense all game. And, you know, when Kyle Shanahan sees a weakness, he's going to attack it, attack, attack. And not just Kyle Shanahan. A lot of NFL offenses will do that. They're going to attack your weaknesses until you figure out uh, that you could stop it. And the Lions couldn't stop it all game. And that's why Kyle Shanahan kept going to it because it was his bread and butter. And I'm going to give credit to Jimmy Garoppolo, too, because he was very accurate this game. And he was making the right throws at the right time. So I give credit to him as well. And, you know. It is what it is. You know, I just want to see more adjustments from the staff because, you know, as far as the offense, you know, they obviously had to adjust because the situation the defense put them in. It wasn't maybe a situation they want to adjust to, but they they adjusted. And, you know, you could say they adjusted well because they had a nice comeback towards the end of the game. The defense, I want to see more adjustment. You know, the last drive, uh, the last San Francisco 49ers drive, um, the Lions got a fumble, but again, I don't know how much that was of the Lions defense or if that was just Debo Samuel, you know, messing up on a play. So you talking about you talking about the last the, you talking about the last fumble um, yeah. caused by Trey, um, Flowers. Trey Flowers. Yeah. That was um that was Trey Flowers all day. He punched yeah. the ball out. He did. He punched the ball out. So that was a hell of a play, man. The right timing for Trey Flowers to get us the ball back to give us a chance at that game. Yeah. Um let me ask you a question. Um I saw on social media a lot of the players or ex-players took a they they took offense to the Aubrey Pleasant. I guess how he was coaching your boy Jeffrey Jeff Akuda. I almost said Jeff. I almost said Jeffrey. <laughs> 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 they took they took offense to it and they they actually went on their stories and um they talked about it. They were saying how you shouldn't talk to a grown man like this. Yeah. This is not the right way. This is bullshit. Blah, 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 blah. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the way Aubrey Pleasant was coaching Jeff Okuda? Do you, think, do you feel like he was out of line or do you feel like he need Jeff Okuda needs that tough love? Maybe he needs to get punched in the face. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, we don't know the words that were actually being exchanged during this conversation. So I think that that's what really comes down to it. It's like, what were the words being exchanged? And it looked like Jeff Akuda was saying some stuff back. It looked like it wasn't just Akuda sitting down and taking it. Like, Akuda was not just taking it and sitting, like, listening. Like, it looked like he was talking back. He was chirping back to Aubrey Pleasant as well. But, I mean, we saw towards the end uh, there was some tough love because, you know, you saw the wholesome moment. I like to say when uh, AP hugs uh, Akuda. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I don't know. It, it's really difficult because, like, I don't know the words that were being exchanged. But, I mean, <laughs> I don't think Aubrey Pleasant was out of line because Akuda was having a tough game, man. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily the way to coach because, I, I mean, I'm not, I've never been a coach. I feel like GQ and James Edibo would know better than me, obviously, you know, in that situation. And they thought it was out of line. But I don't know. I, I think it's a tough situation to really, you know, judge because I don't know the words that were being exchanged. I feel like if AP was disrespectful, then, okay, that's that's different. Like, you know, that's not okay. But if it was just tough love and, like, saying, like, motherfucker, you got to step up. You got to turn your head around. Like, that, that's different. That's I'm fine with that. You, you know, you, you could have tough coaching and, and still get the best out of your guys. So, you know, I don't really have much of an opinion on it. It's just it is what it is. Obviously, it was going to blow up because it, it made the Fox broadcast. So that was I don't know. That was I, I don't know. Himself. What's your thoughts? I don't really have much of an opinion on it. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you did the right thing, man. You, when you look at when you're a coach, I think you got to know your players. You got to know who you're talking to. Yeah. You can't. AP couldn't do that to a 12-year vet. True. If you did that to a 12-year vet, they'll be pissed off. <laughs> like they'll they'll be mad. Um, a younger guy, maybe a rookie, second year player, guy who's developing, and know that this coach is actually helping him, because you know Jeff Kuda actually came out multiple times and said AP was the best thing for him. I think that kind of motivates him motivates him to get better. So I, I think he did the I think that tough love is needed, and I think he did the right thing. So I don't have no problem with it. I have no no problem with it. When it goes to young players and stuff like that, as long as you're not being disrespectful, like um, Pencilhead did, <laughs> I think it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I don't think he crossed the line. I think it's uh, that borderline, you know, parent relationship, coaching relationship, you know? So I, I'm fine with it. Yeah. But um, going to your, you know, staying on topic with Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Akuda. This is tough. This injury that he has. It's terrible. This is this is terrible news. This is terrible for him. And this is terrible. This is not good. A, a rupture Achilles is not, not a ideal injury for a cornerback that you need to cut and use your feet a lot. Is mainly everything's your feet. This is tough. Yeah, no, this is this is a tough blow, man. I mean, this is now two years in a row where Akuda's had significant injuries, and now he's going to miss the rest of the season with this torn Achilles. I mean, I hate to I hate to put labels and I hate to say all this, but I, I think right now it's fair to call him a bust. No, no, don't say it. It's fair. No, don't say it. I mean, you don't have to say it. You don't have to say it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm the guy. Like, I don't know. It's it's just no. really tough, man. Like, I know he's a young corner. And he's got still a lot of years left. But just looking at years previous of the NFL, when guys get an injury like this, I'm not saying this is a career for Jeff Okuda, but you know, as far as the guy we expected him to be, or maybe not you, but the Lions fan oh, base expected know. him yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we with, all expected him to be. What with the third it, overall pick? Yeah, with the with the third overall pick, you know, it's, it's just really tough, man. I mean, the elite seems like it's out of the question now to be your lockdown cornerback one. It seems like that's out of the question. The question I'm asking is, like, what is, what's his role in the NFL now? Is he a corner still? 
Is he going to transition to a different position, like a safety now? Like, what is it now? Like, what are you going to do with Jeff Okuda? I mean, he's still young. He's only, he'll be 23 when he, you know, by next season. Like, it's going to be an interesting question. I, I'm pretty much counting out, you know, anything where he's not, I don't think he's a cornerback one anymore. Like, I oh. thought that, I thought that could be something that we could have figured out, you know, throughout this rebuild that Jeff Okuda could oh. be that guy, that cornerback one. I'm kind of counting that out now. I just don't think he he could ever be that guy anymore. Wow. Maybe you know, maybe he turns into a solid cornerback two. I think that would be the upside right now, as if he could be a a cornerback two. And it, it just it just sucks because the guy's obviously really talented, has a lot of skill uh, traits where he he could have been that guy, but with this injury, and from what we've seen. It's gonna to be tough, man, and I hate to say, and I hate to say it, but it's gonna be really tough for Jeff Okuda in this recovery. And before the listeners are like, you guys are bashing him. I just want everybody to know, we're not bashing him. Okay, it just when a player is developing and trying to become the player that you want him to be, and they take this type of injury, it's gonna be a hurdle. It's gonna be a hurdle for him to even get back to where he was and where he was wasn't that good yeah. you know he was trying to get he was trying to develop into a star player um where he was you know that guy you know that corner so it's gonna be it's gonna be tough he's not gonna just come back next year and all of a sudden be a star corner guys i'm just gonna let everybody know he's gonna probably come back next year he may not even be the same guy as he was this year yeah, and if that's the case, how bad is that? You know, that's not that's not very good. Um, so I'm just I'm hoping the best for Jeff Okuda. I hope he does recover. And who knows, man? Hope you know. Hopefully, he could shock me, shock everybody, and you know, comes out better. Maybe get a robotic leg, ankle, or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I think you got to think in Brad Holmes' case right now, like too. I I think Brad Holmes, like you're building the team right now, and obviously, like right now, it. it it's not as important because you're not going to get any corner right now to like really step in for a cooter. Like I'm saying outside of what you got of your organization, like, but I'm saying as far as the team building aspect, you know, Brad Holmes can't go into the office and now saying, I got my cornerback one position locked unless, unless one of these other guys steps up to the plate. Like, you know, these low key guys, like Amani O's maybe steps into a cornerback one or a Fatima Lafonu steps up. Like that's the only way, but I'm saying if, you know, it is what we expect, let's say, going forward, like, from our secondary, and, like, it's just not a true number one corner. Brad Holmes can't go into the office and saying, hey, I got a number one corner with, with the room we have right now. I mean, obviously, that's, like I said, it's bearing of what happens with these other corners throughout the season. But as of right now, I think Brad Holmes is confidently saying, I don't have a cornerback one on my team right now. And that's something I need to address in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how somebody could step up. That's what I'm saying. Though he's gonna let the, obviously the season's gonna play out, and a guy could step up. Someone could be a stud. Maybe a Fatu Malafanu comes out of nowhere and he's a lockdown corner and he he can be our one. But what I'm saying is like right now, I think Brad Holmes is thinking. Well, what I'm thinking or what you're thinking, we don't have a cornerback one on this team right now. I got a legitimate cornerback one, and that's something that we need to address. Let me ask you a question before we go to the oopsie doopsie and ball of the week. Um, do you feel like this is a big hurt? For the secondary, yeah, for sure, because Akuda was not only expected to be the cornerback one throughout the season, 
this was a guy that was also a leader. And we've mentioned how young the secondary is, and they needed kind of someone to step up to the plate. And it seemed like Akuda was being that guy where he was stepping up to the plate and he was embracing the leadership role of, you know, being vocal, you know, having guys to his side, the young guys like Jerry Jacobs, he a guy he put under his wing and helped him make this 53-man roster. So as far as a leadership standpoint, this is a blow. As far as a guy that we expected to be a cornerback one and we were excited to see what he could do throughout the season, this is a blow. It's a blow in every aspect of what you wanted to see. And I, I just don't know what to expect anymore of him. You know, any, anything is 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 good at this point now because whatever he could do with the, you know, the transition to, you know, coming back from this injury and maybe sticking a corner or, you know, maybe he's a, he's a safety. I don't know what's going to happen with Jeff Okuda, but you know, it, it's, it definitely sucks, but it, you know, it opens the door for the next man up. And I know it's a cliche next man up, but it's true. It's opening up doors for another guy and maybe doors, that he didn't expect to be this early, or at least damn near I didn't expect it. Fatima Lafon was going to get to start mm-hmm. now, it seems like. And I know Dan Campbell said, don't sleep on our other guys like Bobby Price. And, oh, as hell. If I see Bobby Price out there, I'm not going to be happy. He said it's probably iffy, but don't sleep on the other guys. Which, no, I am taking a hard nap. He's, he's saying it's Fati Malafano, basically. Yeah, it, <laughs> I really hope is if, you know, Malafano, I really hope it is because. I'm telling you, Bobby Price is our starter. <laughs> I'm not going to be too you happy. You could be the next man up if someone gets down, though. If somebody else gets down? Yeah. Someone, yeah, then I'll be like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, all right, we got to go with Bobby Price. But if Bobby Price is the next man up after one injury? Oh, shit, that's not good. <laughs> that's really not good. I feel you. This dude wasn't even a corner last year. He was a safety. He wasn't even a corner going to camp. He wasn't even a corner going to camp. And this is the best we have. This won't be good. This will not be good. Yeah. So, I mean, it it definitely sucks, man. It just, it's a blow. And like I said, next man up, we'll see what Melifonwu could do. He's got a big test this week versus Green Bay. Hopefully maybe Amani could step up into a bigger role. We've seen flashes from Amani, but maybe some bigger flashes because Maybe he could take on that next step, uh, step of his career, and maybe progress it and say, "Hey, we got a guy here." But I don't know. I, I just don't view anyone on this team right now who could be this cornerback one. I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully, it's figured out. But I feel like this is gonna be a position that we're gonna address in the off season. Yeah, I'm actually excited to see if uh, Malafani. I, I am can't. too. Yeah, man, he's a six-three corner. Six-three corner. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, I think Malafani has got a role in this team somewhat, and like if he could develop, if they could develop him right. I think he's got a very high, you know, future and high upside, as for sure. We'll see how that goes, man. So yeah, um, I think Dude. overall that's that's it. Yeah, let's just go into the oopsie doopsie and ball of the week, and we could we could wrap it up. So I'm gonna give you the honors because Pierre's not here. You get to make the ball of the week. Yes, sir. Oh wait, is this me? I'm up right now. You're oh. up right now. Okay. Um. So for the ball, ball of the week. For the baller of the week, um, this is a no-brainer. I'm pretty sure um, Pierre co-signs this. And we're going to roll with Panay Sewell. Baller of the week. Handled his own. You know, first start. Had a big task. Nick Bosa. Made Nick Bosa looks like the average Joe. Nick Bosa couldn't do <laughs> like, I mean, Joe, Nick Bosa had his moments throughout the game. He, we're not going to yeah. 
he had his moments, but like some quiet. plays is like, oh shit, Nick Bosa is going nowhere. Like he was just locked, just one on one. You know that was that was really good, man. So yeah, he's definitely Panesu was going to be of our I say our baller of the week. That makes me so happy. Week one, we're talking about Panesu baller baller of the week. Yeah, he's man. Right. He's right now the favorite to be MVP of Baller of the Week. Of yes, Baller of the year. He's so right far. Now, he's right now the favorite. So far, so far, man. Let's get it rolling. Okay. Uh, now let's get into the oopsie doopsie of the week. Oh, boo-hoo. Let me play a sad song for you on the world's smallest violin. Mm. I hate to do this. I hate to do this. Oh, I, think, I think I'm giving it to Jeff. <laughs> Is that right? He just went down. He just tore his Achilles. That, that's terrible. Yeah, he did just tear his Achilles. You can't even kick him while he's down. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, you might as well kick him while he's down. I mean, shoot. I mean, could you, is it a bad pick, though? Is it a bad pick? Could you justify somebody else? Who had a rougher outing than Jeffrey? No, there is nobody. Like, no one stood out significantly more than Jeff Bakudo, as far as bad. No, even Matt Nelson could be a no. Matt Nelson no, played. No, like he didn't he stand like that. Yeah, he had his moments. Like Jared Goff too. He wasn't the he wasn't the reason they lost this game. No, it wasn't Jared Goff. Um, he put up thirty three points. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know people have to shit on Will Harris, but like, okay, he had a like, he didn't make a pursuit tackle, but that play starts with Jeff Okuda. Oh yeah, that, that definitely starts with Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it's got to be Jeff Okuda. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn. I mean, and ankle injury and all, man. At least Damn. he won't. I mean, at least right now he won't win the award this year because he won't play anymore this year. So he can't win. He That's can't get terrible. any more. He can't get any more. Damn. I guess yeah. I lost. I could. I hadn't projected as a she do it. No. <laughs> no. So yeah, I mean, it's Jeff Okuda. I mean, it was just it was just a tough game for him overall. And obviously the injury cut that game short for him, and it's cut a season short. I mean, it, it's tough. No one significantly stood out to me as far as badness. I like I know our whole defense played pretty bad as a whole, but you know I think it starts off with Akuda's struggles of you know giving up big plays. It just kind of took out the whole momentum of the game. Like if Akuda makes that play on Debo instead of giving him a touchdown, the whole momentum of the game changes right there. Absolutely. Imagine if he gets an interception. Imagine if he just gets a pass breakup and forces a, a punt. Because yeah. at that point, we weren't forcing any punts, or you know, like I mean, just imagine that. Like it, it <laughs> from a from a about to be fourth down. What was that? Was that third down that Debo play? That was a third down play. Yeah. So from uh, about to get the ball back, a third and long, third compared and long. to uh, what was it, a sixty-yard <laughs> touchdown or something like that? It was an awful pass. The blitz, the the pressure got there. Yeah, and Akuda was there. It wasn't like he got beat. He was there. All he had to do was turn the head and literally throw your arm. <laughs> PBU right there. Yeah, man. Shoot. So that just took out all momentum. That's when Pierre was like, man, you want to leave the game? And I forgot to, I forgot to mention during this podcast, Pierre <laughs> wants to leave the damn game. I almost missed that damn comeback because of Pierre. I almost missed that damn call. I had to make fucking bets with Pierre on the side. I said, Pierre, if we get the outside kick, we have to stay. Thank the Lord Jesus we got the outside <laughs> kick. If we didn't get the outside kick, I, I was leaving. I was out the doors, guys. 
Oh, man. So, what's my so if anyone calls me an SOL or you guys shift this up to Pierre, I didn't want to leave. I did not want to leave. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So it was after that play, Pierre was like, let's get out of here. We weren't even in our seats. We weren't even in our seats. When Jamal Williams pushed on touchdown, he's like, okay, I saw what I had to see. He's like, let's go. I'm like, all right. Fine. <laughs> all right. I'm like, all right, fine. Let's go. All right. We, we go up the stairs. I'm like, all right, Pierre, we got to turn around. If he, if we, they're going for an onside. If we get recover the onside kick, we got to stay. We're going back down. Austin Cyber kicks an onside kick. Kittle drops the ball. We recover. I'm like, we got to stay. We got to stay now. <laughs> <laughs> and I see Jared Goff is just slinging that ball. I'm like, oh my god, we're getting big completions. We're scoring the ball. I'm like, all right, Pierre, we're gonna get another onside kick. We're down one. <laughs> and then, but like even that, like we scored and it made it a, you know, made it a one possession game. We had three timeouts. I'm like. Okay, we forced a three and out, which we couldn't do all game. But if we forced three and out, we got a chance. And, that, I mean, Ford Field lit up after that. I mean, the stadium was half empty. It was all Niners fans at that point. But the fans that were in there, they were lighting up, man. It was exciting. I was, yeah, even me, I was out of my seat. I was yeah. out of my seat. I was hyped. I mean, that was good stuff, man. It was showing that fight, man. Do you think that we're going to have that momentum and take it into the next game? Do you think we can actually do that? Because I know in the past, in the past game, that never happened. I'm not you, a big guy in moral victories. Like I know some people would consider this a moral victory. I'm just not mad right now, but I don't really consider it a moral victory. But you know, I think the players have that confidence right now. They're like, "Hey, we were down bad. We were down really bad, but we we improved as the game gone on, and we almost came back versus a, a pretty damn good football team." So I think they have some momentum going into Green Bay right now, even though they lost that game. Just just the ending of it. So we'll see. I, I hope we could see some fire, you know, week one or week two when we go to Lambo on Monday night versus Green Bay. Like, you know, let's get a quick touchdown or like let's throw the ball a little bit. Like, you know, I want to see some momentum or maybe the defense. Maybe the defense starts off. Let's get a three and out to start the game or like a quick stop, you know, or a turnover. Like, I think that would be that would be really good for this team. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, with that being said, that is a wrap. And I guess a quick recap from Ford Fields. Niners fans showed up, man. I give them credit, dude. There was a lot of red there. The Red Sea showed up there in this I game. I told you. I told you. You're, I told you. You're going to be surrounded by Niners fans because you guys, first of all, you guys got the seats by the on the Niners, Niners side. No, no, on the Niners side. Yeah. The visitor side. I was like, man, that's, that's, that's a setup, man, because that's. Usually when I go to away games, that's where I'm trolling like the fans. You're by the Lions bench, right? I'm by the Lions bench, yeah. Not yet. <laughs> it, it was a big red sea, dude. I mean, that last drive, even um, when we were trying to tie the game up, th- their defense chants were getting pretty loud. <laughs> like, it felt yeah. like almost like a Niners home game. Yeah. So, you know, I, I give credit to the Niners fans. They showed up. Uh, credit to our guys, and congratulations from Striking Gold, the guys that did a pregame podcast with us. Congratulations to those guys uh, of getting a win week one versus our Lions. So, hey, we covered the spread, though. So, And we, we got Malcolm 17 points. Yeah, exactly. I told you, get, at least give us 17, man. No, you want to give us 17. We, we got 33. Let's go. Got 17. I'm like, hey, I was telling Pierre, I'm like, hey, we got 17 at least. <laughs> we got For real, man. That was a positive, I guess, for Malcolm because he wanted the 17 piece. At least, man. Come on, man. All right, guys. Uh, if it's, it's always much appreciated if you could leave a five-star review on Apple or wherever the hell you guys are listening. It's always much appreciated. It helps us out and helps more people uh, you know, find us and they can listen to us. And I'm out, guys. Peace. We'll see you week two.
All right, y'all, it's your boy Malcolm, and I am out. Peace.